Welcome to the program, Woke Up, where we amplify the voices of those whom today's critical social justice movement and woke ideology have seduced. They realized they were being led to a place they did not want to be and woke up to tell their story. Now the host, Michael Ballantyne. Hello, welcome to our show, Woke Up, where we open up and give people, IPAC people, queer people, people that have believed certain things, a platform, and we want to amplify their voices because not everybody speaks on behalf of every diverse group. We're all individuals, and we, this is what makes us human and distinctly human. And even though we share certain characteristics, certain identities, it does not define who we are. And so as we know, there's many cultural issues that are sweeping America that have had a profound effect on our culture, in the media, social media, and there's consequences. And there's certain ideologies that people believe in that think that they can be brought to a a better place, a utopia, it'll transform everything in their life. And oftentimes, as people give themselves to what I will refer to as the woke ideology, that oftentimes they find themselves in a place of cognitive dissonance and the promised uh, illusion that, or the promised utopia is really an illusion at points. And so today it's a privilege that I get to meet for the first time, at least via the interview, Abel Garcia. I've seen a lot of his content. He's got a compelling story and Abel was born as a male. He believed certain things. He gave himself to the process of transitioning to live a life as a female. And then over the course of time, uh, he came to the conclusion that he just wasn't fulfilled and happy and uh, has transitioned, detransitioned and is living as a male now. And so Abel, thank you so much for joining us. Please take it from here. Just tell us your story and just jump in however you feel comfortable. Okay. Hi, well, guys, my name is Abel Garcia. I am a male to female uh, detransitioner. So again, that means I was born biologically male. I attempted to become a woman, and now I've detransitioned to as I was born. My story starts when I was 19 years old. Uh, that's when I officially started my both medical and social transition. I went to a therapist my, on my first session with her. She immediately approved me for a letter of hormones. I did not accept those letters, but eventually I did. And not even a year into taking those hormones, I had received a letter for surgery from a different doctor. And that surgery was for both breast implants, known as as top surgery and removal of my genitals, known as bottom surgery. Was that second letter, was that solicited by you or was that just part of the process because you were in, they determined that you had gender dysphoria or is that some, something that you had asked for? So the second letter I had, um, I had only asked for top surgery. I had not asked for bottom surgery. And maybe you can back up just a little bit. You, you went in for a counselor when you were 19. What happened in your developmental years in terms of your thought processes to think that maybe this would be a solution for some of the things you're going through? What were some of the things you were going through leading up to being 19 years old? Just to back up a little bit. Yeah, sure. Uh, so growing up, I actually had, I'd say, decent childhood. I was born into poverty. My parents are were illegal immigrants when they came and had me as a child. So my parents were always working, didn't really know much on them or get to be with them since they were always working, raised by my grandparents. And then in terms of your gender identity, what happened and how did you begin to even consider that the possibility is that you were actually female and born in the wrong body? So due to the fact that I didn't really get to spend much time with my father, I've always been a very shy, quiet, timid child who thinks to myself. And I think just all that combined with 
with my Hispanic culture being very masculine, I didn't fit in. So for some reason, my mind must have assumed if I'm not good enough to be a boy or a man, I must have been a woman. But obviously being a little kid without the proper words that that's all I knew. Okay. And then, so you get the second letter and it's uh, talking to you about the possibility of the top surgery and the bottom surgery. And so what was your reaction to it? What was going on with in you? I only wanted top surgery when I went to acting, when I got those letters. I am, and the reason why I say that is because before I even wanted to transition in any place um, or before I went to see the therapist, I told myself, I want to wait five years before I get implants and 10 before I get bottom. Well, I broke my rule on the top surgery. I got the implants and that was less than two years into my transition. But even though I got the letters, I still didn't want to get bottom surgery because even I knew that was a bit more permanent. Sure. What were your mom and dad saying? Were you were you estranged from them at the time or were they part of your life? Or I had ran away by then. And even though I was already a legal adult, I had left their house. But you said your home was pretty good. Maybe you're Dad was a little, your parents weren't necessarily involved, but did you say you had a pretty good childhood overall or? I guess overall it was decent with the circumstances I had. And so were you in communication with your mom and dad, even though you were an adult at this point? Uh, no. You weren't at all. No. So you were, you were doing this totally independent from any familiar support. Did you have friends that were supporting you during this or were you pretty much on your own? Um, I had a few friends um, that I had before I did anything. And the moment that I said I was transgender and got involved with the LGBT community in my local area, I immediately got way more friends, especially that were transgender, and they were all supportive. And, and what were they saying to you during this? Were they just saying, yeah, go, was it like affirming new identity? Affirming everything that I was doing, telling me this was uh, who I was supposed to be. And so did you have any pushback from anyone saying, think about this, reconsider, you know, take your time? Was there through counselors or through the LGBTQ community or was it just like, go for it? Nope. Nobody ever pushed back on me. It was always uh, pushing me forward. So you had one meeting with the counselor and they put you on this path and hormones and beginning the actual active transition. Did they look into mental health at all or treating gender dysphoria from a psychological and emotional level or was it just change your body completely? It was just change my body. I had no other question. And you were in California at this point? Yes. And so do, do you feel like there was some kind of an agenda or was it, did they, you feel like they had your best interests or were they just confused or it just seems like I, a drastic step? Uh, unfortunately, since it's California, I have to say it was an agenda just because I am um, where I lived it has a major LGBT uh, population so th then you did the top surgery can you tell us what that was like was it painful was it emotional for you I was on certain levels like what were you experiencing both physically and emotionally so not long after I got the implants overall it went well and I say that because not long after I got that because that was in May of 2018 I think within the next month or two I had a couple of events that and I know for a bare minimum I had a friend's graduation so I was very happy and excited so plus I was on a lot of painkillers and so the first month or two were well but a few months I'd say about by the third or fourth month that's when reality hit me in the face and I realized I had made a mistake and by that time I had 
also started to have my relationship with, with the LGBT community strained, I guess you can say. They did not like me anymore, uh, but it was not because of me not liking the implants or anything. It was actually a complete different reason. Can you t tell us what, what was happening? Like what, I mean, they were encouraging you. You found all these new friends. You found this new community. And then you go through this process of both thinking like and acting like and physically presenting yourself as a female or trying the best you could, but then some estrangement with the LGBTQ community. What what provoked that and what was happening? Sure. I guess like about eight to nine months prior, I had started going to the police academy and I had finished the first course, went through the second, failed that one. And then by the time I got the implants, um, I was working uh, with the my local police department as a volunteer. And I don't know for what reason, but when I was trying to do some work for the police, um, trying to build a better relationship between the LGBT community and the police department. The LGBT community, more specifically the transgender community, did not like that. Accused me of being cisgender. Did not like anything that I was doing, even though I was just asking a few questions. Got very offended and they disconnected themselves from me. And that was primarily a function of you uh, pursuing a possible career in law enforcement. Is that correct? That is correct. So it was, in what year was that? What was that? That was 2018. 2018. So that was prior to the Black Lives Matter matter protests and the defund the police there was still antagonism toward law enforcement within at least your social network of the lgbtq community yes that is correct okay and so that must have been really hurtful because you had all these friends this new community these relationships and then you're just pursuing a career choice and then those same friends, I'm assuming, or others within that community were rejecting you. And, and so you had gone from a place when you were a young boy, you didn't have a lot of friends. And then you found this wonderful community that you thought was going to be an answer. But then because of just a career choice and pursuing, improving yourself to, in order to pass those tests, they they no longer wanted to associate with you and they were calling you names and saying you're not who you are and things like that. Is that is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. Um, as soon as uh, that incident happened, I eventually heard that they were dragging my name through the mud. It's the best way I can explain it. And so so you were feeling that rejection. Then what were the steps that you took where you felt like, you know, this might not be the right thing for me? And what were you feeling? And, and what did you begin to do? So after they had left me, uh, by then it it was a few months into my transition into having the implants. That's when everything just uh, eventually that was bot bottled up um, all my emotions, I guess. That plus reality just came in one day, slapped me. Best way I explain is reality slapped me in the face. I realized what I was doing was wrong. Um, I was just destroying my body, and no matter what I had, would have done it, even if I would have gotten my face done remove my genitals to make it look like a woman. Done everything and anything, including surgeries, hormones. Even if the world recognized me as a woman, I would have never been a woman. I would have just been a caricature of what I believed a woman was. And, and during this traumatic process for you of uh, considering realizing that you were in a place that you didn't really want to be, did you have support from family or friends or even in the LGBTQ communities to say, yeah, I support you, I love you, I want the best for you? And if you want to uh, detransition, then I'll do whatever I can to support you because I love you. Did you have any voices like that that were profound support for you? No, the LGBT community by this point had already distanced from themselves from me. Nobody wanted to interact with me. And regarding friends and family, no one really knew what was going on since this was all in my own mind. I was not telling anybody. So I was dealing with this all by myself. Oh, yeah. So I, I just I just find that a little bit hypocritical. I guess shallow. I find that shallow, at least in 
your circle of influence that they're, yeah, we're going to love you. We're going to encourage you. And, and then you have this network of friends and then, you know, you choose a certain career path and then you decide that, you know, that you want to that you might have made a mistake that these same people are are, no, are saying bad things about you and they're not loving you and they're, it seems like obviously from any objective analysis that they weren't really truly loving you Abel Garcia as a human being irrespective of your gender your dreams your vision uh, your life the things you're going through the physical pain, the emotional pain, that they weren't there for you as a human being. I mean, I find that profoundly hypocritical, just the, or the least agenda-driven. That's uh, an objective reality. Yeah, I realized, um, I did realize it then, but as the years passed by, I realized that they never really cared for me. It was all just for their own agenda. Is that a common practice in California? Like what happened with you that they immediately start with pursuing or encouraging people that have gender dysphoria to fully transition? And it just seems strange that there wouldn't be a f emphasis on, uh, on mental health care and trying to sort out like what's really going on on a subconscious and an emotional level. I mean, is that normal or, or is that, or were you in a unique case? I'm going to have to say this is normal in California because I've had the opportunity to speak to a couple other detransitioners from California. And so far we've all had the same experience, even though we've all gone to different places, everyone gets affirmed immediately. No other questions are asked. So that I would say very concerning. And, but then again, I'm not that surprised because California as of recently just passed a few new bills that are pro-transgender. Okay, one, one question I think might be helpful too for you to share is for people that are considering transitioning, they might look at you and say, well, Abel tried it, it didn't work out for him. Okay, that's cool. Well, I might transition and it might not work out for me and look at Abel now, he's, he's happy, he's successful, he's doing well because he tried something that just didn't work out for him. And so maybe it would be helpful for you to go a little more profoundly about what really happens when you, in your body, when you go, go through all these surgeries and what are the, the consequences to your body on a, on a long-term basis, both with the hormone treatments and the various surgeries that you've had. Maybe you can share about what that experience is like. Sure. So I know a lot of people are going to be saying, as you just said, that since I've detransitioned, I'm much happier. Yeah, to a certain degree, I am a bit much happier. But obviously, that's what I show the world. Obviously, not everyone sees me day to day. And obviously, due to everything that's happened to me, with the results that have happened to my body. And just for a few examples, I have atrophy to my genitals. I, it makes it very difficult to use the restroom. Um, the left half of my body has tremors. I'm still not sure what's causing that. It, as some people have said to me, it could be MS, multiple sclerosis. And then overall, there are other health issues that I'm seeing every, every day that we're never there. But as of now, those are the main ones that have. How about scarring uh, and uh, how are your breasts now? Are you a normal male breast? Are you. So obviously, my chest is never going to be the same. If you look at my chest, you would assume that I am a female trying to become a male, the way the scarring looks on it. But obviously, my chest is also numb on most of it due to all the surgeries. What would your advice be to somebody now that you can speak with authority and you've been through the system, you've been through the surgeries, you've been through the presentation of yourself, the life, uh, the adjustment of presenting yourself uh, from both genders? What would you say to people who have bought into this ideology that's sweeping our country, that are being influenced by social media? Uh, the laws are set up in certain states to make it so simple now 
to transition. What would be your message to uh, to people that are in their 20s or teens that are saying, you know, I'm not totally content with my life, but I'm going to find contentment because everything's going to go, all my problems will go away if I just transition into a, a different gender. What would your advice be? Even if you change um, how you appear to the world from male to female or female to male, you're, you're still going to have all your old issues. You're not doing anything to help your what's actually the problem you're just trying to alleviate some of it by i guess masquerading it with a transgender identity with dealing with the pain by again trying to have the world see you as the opposite sex in the beginning it'll help it'll work but um overall your mind and body know the truth that you're you can't really do this for a long time if you would have uh, continued uh, as a female would that have required uh prolonged usage of uh pharmaceuticals or, or hormones or would that just be a, a temporary thing or it seems like your natural body is working from a male perspective, but then you're introducing things that are female. So it seems like there might be long-term pharmaceuticals and the expense of that and, and the effects on your body for 10, 20, 30, you know, for a lifelong process possibly. Is that is that correct? Yeah. So had I continued living as a female and had I removed my genitals, I would have had to be dependent on the pharmaceutical companies for the rest of my life for estrogen and, and probably a lot of other drugs. Did you have side effects from the medications you were taking? Again, I don't know what are the full side effects of the hormones. Like I said, the tremors on the left half of my body were never there. Only it happened after I transitioned, detransitioned, and atrophied obviously is one of them. And there are other issues that I'm seeing. So there, there. I guess the point is you can authoritatively say that there are um, short-term, mid-term, and long-term consequences. And there's consequences that even though you went through this period for just a couple years of uh, fully presenting as a female, I'm assuming that that's correct, but that might be a lifelong thing that you're going to have to just manage for the rest of your life. And so it seems like that's a pretty strong message to somebody who's a young person that's considering this ideology that, that they might have to face. And when they're 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, the reality of all that. That is true. Unfortunately, a lot of these, especially the younger kids, don't understand the consequences of this. They think uh, it's like a fairy tale and that once they appear like a woman to, or a man to the world, that that's all they're going to need. Unfortunately, that's not how life works. Yeah, it, it, it seems like, as you said, it's a, a mask of a deeper wound and there's other things going on internally that irrespective of what we do to our bodies physically, whether, whether, no matter what it is. And, and, and you latched onto the gender identity, but I mean, people cover their wounds in so many ways through gambling or sex or drugs or alcohol or cutting or bulimia or anorexia. There's so many ways that we, on a mental way, try to relieve the pain of, of some of the trauma we're facing, some of the depression or, or different things like that. But we don't really get at the root of that for true transformation through these external efforts. You know, I, I think that's pretty apparent. And it's unfortunate that this ideology pushes people like such an agenda to, yes, do that. I affirm, I affirm you are a female or, or vice versa. And all your problems are going to go away, but you're, you're saying they just don't go away. I mean, the, the, I still have uh, things within my soul, within my character, within my personality, hurts within my heart. And that's irrespective of gender. And by changing the gender okay fine there's a rush for a moment there's the enthusiasm of this new me or whatever but you're saying that that you found that that waned and, and waned relatively quickly for you within a couple of years you know it wasn't like it seems like you could still have 
that wane five years, 10 years down the road. And there's really deeper things going on within the soul that are, that need to be addressed in particular. Would you agree with my characterization of, of that? Yes, I would. So one of the things that I, I really admire about you, Abel, is that you, uh, that you are very active in terms of educating people. It seems like you have a good community now of other detransitioners. There's a lot of people coming out now on YouTube saying that, yeah, I, I have detransitioned. It didn't fulfill me. Maybe you can talk about some of the things that you're passionate about now and some of the work that you're doing and and some of the way you're helping humanity. If you can open up a little bit about that. And you know, some of the people I've seen you speak with are compelling as well, just like you, and they have a story. And so what, what stirs you up every day? You know, why, like you're coming on, on our show, you're on other shows, uh, there's a demand to hear your story. What is it that compels you to be so vulnerable with America? And you've never met me, you don't know me, but you're sharing the deepest, most intimate parts of your soul and, and your pathway. What is it that gets you up every morning and, and is leading you? Sure. So what um, compels me to do this is that obviously I was hurt by the medical system. A lot of detransition are being hurt by this and those who are currently are transitioning are still being hurt by it. Now, I wouldn't have much of an issue. It was just adults like myself and there was actual support for us after we did this but my main issue is now that they are targeting minors and obviously anyone who speaks out against this is immediately shot down is immediately labeled as transphobic and hateful and there is no conversation so i guess my main reason to do this is to at least be the help for others that i didn't have when i did this uh, regarding the detransition and at least give these kids another perspective because again these kids are being bombarded with this from a young age yeah these kids are just trying to figure out their sexuality within their within the vessel the body that they were given at birth they're trying to figure out how everything works and the significant and massive hormonal and emotional changes that happen during puberty everybody feels awkward and you know follow the science i mean our, our brains aren't fully developed until we're 25 or 30 years old our, our brains are continuing to develop well into our 20s and so how can we possibly expect minors to to take on decisions i mean you look at just normal uh everyday life for generations of 14 and 15 year old boys and girls they have these crushes and the they fall in love with their the kid in their classroom or some their neighbor and they're, they're, it's so intense but then six months later if that relationship doesn't work out they're oh i can't believe i felt that way it's it, so much of emotions and hormones are so fleeting and uh, transitory for young people and to put something on them that's so permanent and the consequence is so severe. Like I can't imagine if like what you'd be dealing with now, if you actually had gone through with the bottom surgery, emotional and psychological consequences. Now I know that's a, a real thing. And I also know that there is redemption irrespective of how far down the rabbit hole one goes in their life, that there is redemption, that there is a chance to, to come back and live a fulfilled life and a fruitful life and a hopeful life. But we, like you, I just want to, it's the purpose of this program is to, is to help people realize, you know, that there's influences, there's an agenda in this world that's tearing things apart. It's tearing apart families and our, our country and the institutions. And there's targeting toward children that are just so innocent, the most innocent among us. And uh, one of the things that that I, I remember that really helped a sexual harassment in the workplace was really part of the American subculture back in the sixties and seventies. And it was very common that women were held back or they were exploited because, you know, for advancements or they were mistreated oftentimes and oftentimes it was sexual in nature in order to, to get ahead. And one of the things that really 
help to transform some of the, the practices that were relatively common in America was that they passed laws prohibiting such behavior, but then, and nobody thought anything of the laws, but then when females who were sexually abused uh, began to actually bring lawsuits and those lawsuits stuck and those corporations realized by the behavior of some of our employees, we have to pay out hundreds of thousands of dollars and legal fees and settlements and uh, the reputation of our company is in jeopardy where they began to really develop and strengthen the HR departments and bring accountability to the behavior of the employees and that are representing the company. And so it seems like the, the one thing that can really help uh, bring a somewhat of sanity, somewhat of a, a transition in this sexualization of children, it would be actual litigation, uh, litigation against doctors or the state, perhaps. I, I'm, you know, I'm not a lawyer. I know that you're very good friends with Chloe Cole, and uh, uh, she was a, just a teenage girl who transitioned, and now she uh, has gone back, but she's actually bringing litigation. And I, and I applaud that. And I think if there's uh, activist litigation to bring sanity, that perhaps th that can affect policy that can affect uh, the things that what doctors are doing that are inappropriate and harmful. And I was wondering if uh, what, what your view is like, what are you aware of in terms of current litigations and what is your thought about that? Because it seems like that's the only way that these big corporations or a government will actually respond is when they're having to defend themselves. And, and if they lose and they have to pay, well, then all of a sudden that sting of that cost and the consequence, because you sometimes you can't reason with these people because you're dealing with an ideology that that perhaps that could be a uh, something to to bring a break on some of this uh, these problems. You have any comments on that? Well, for regarding Chloe's uh, litigation, I am very proud of what she's doing. I don't know much that uh, well. I know from what she's told me and what I've heard publicly, but from what. I hope it does go well for her, for one. Now, regarding litigation for others, potentially myself, unfortunately, I don't know much on that, and I can't really say much uh, for myself. I am very aware that if this does continue going on, there will be litigations because a lot of these people who are mostly infected as of right now are young teenage girls and are now young adults or still teenagers when they realize that they were lied to and now their bodies are destroyed. And who would be responsible for that? Would that be doctors, uh, social workers? Probably not, but maybe the government itself? Or where would be the, the source of that? Um, I guess it would depend on who each person went to. Um, it could be a therapist, a psychologist, a gender clinic. I know some names that are tossed around are Planned Parenthood, and then obviously regarding Chloe, Kaiser Permanente. But this, unfortunately, is a huge web um, that we don't know every player adds up yet. And, and would you agree that you that this is a, some sort of an agenda from some? I mean, it just seems strange that our our society would allow for all this and in such a relatively short period of time. So I don't know if it would be an agenda or not, at least an ideology. But from what I know, this has been going on for much longer than we've actually expected. And I say that because I've had the opportunity to speak to a detransitioner who transitioned in the 80s. And just with some of the research I've done on my own, uh, this looks to be have done Again, much longer than we expect, but only recently has it been more socially acceptable. Well, I am thrilled that more and more detransitioners are coming forward, and I would encourage anybody who has a loved one or they themselves that are considering the permanence of uh, transitioning to really be sober-minded and research, research uh, not just what social media or what the LGBTQ activist community, 
I say activist community that are just pushing one agenda, nothing against anyone who's LGBTQ whatsoever. However, the activists just have a, a myopic one size fits all for everything that you do the, that you educate yourself, you do the research and you actually engage different uh, detransitioners who, who have lived the experience, who have the lived experience and the authority. And there's many, many out there, there's support groups. I know that ABLE for one is uh, extremely kind and empathetic. Uh, you know, is there a way that people can reach out to you that you might be able to help them? Is there, I know you have a YouTube channel, but what would be the best way for someone who is just really struggling and really uh, confused uh, to maybe just get a, a different perspective from what they're they're currently hearing within the system. Sure. So obviously all my work is mostly done on YouTube at Abel Garcia. I spend most of my time on Twitter, Instagram. I'm trying to give that a little, little bit more love, but you can find me both at official Abel G. And then for parents, if they don't have social media or anything, um, they can email me and that's official Abel Garcia at hotmail.com. I usually always reply as soon as I can with social media. Uh, with the emails, I will try to get back as soon as I can with those. And would you recommend any particular support groups or websites or books? I know that uh, Abigail Shriver wrote an incredible book that was compelling and she cited a, a Dr. Littman who was totally brutalized by social media just by bringing forth facts. Is there, I love that book. Is there any other uh, good information that people can get to get a, a balanced and sober-minded uh, view and just really make the best decision for them and how to best encourage uh, their loved ones. Yeah. Um, so there is um, a website called Sex Change Regret, and that's um, the one that helped me out when I was doing it. Uh, that is by Walt Heyer, and he's uh, the one who transitioned in the early 80s and detransitioned in the 90s. Then there's also Genspec. They're from the UK, but they are helping everywhere they can. As of now, those are the only two that I'm aware of, but I know every day there are groups and people who are stepping up and doing something more and more each day uh, yeah walt higher i've seen him before i've seen uh he's a he is a very compelling speaker he's he's an older man now he's probably in his mid-70s or so right or he's 82 he's 82 but he's like one of the first famous people and from what i understand he's been ostracized by the left and cast off as well right um it, i don't know where he is politically but yes i am very aware the left does not like him and I, when I refer to the left, too, I'm not talking about a, a liberal Democrat who wants to help unions and, and thinks we need to spend more money on education and the health system and the normal debates that have formed our country in the last hundred years between conservative and, and Democrat. I'm not talking that. I'm talking about the radical left that's just actively tearing down the whole system and wants the whole thing burned down. And, and it doesn't matter who gets hurt along the way. That's, that's what I'm talking about though. And that small group that might represent 10% of the population has an extremely powerful voice. And, and I guess that as a society, Democrat or Republican alike, I mean, right or left alike, we need to push back against this or there, there won't be much of a civilization left as far as I'm concerned. It's just my opinion. And I'm a middle right person politically, but uh, I know a lot of typical Democrats that would vote for Joe Biden. And, you know, that, that's, Wonderful, but I'm saying this this radical agenda that seems to be uh, tearing at the the heart of families and civilization itself. So I did have a couple more questions for you. One in particular was the use of pronouns and the gender identifying pronoun. What, what is your opinion of that? Because that's a relatively new phenomenon, and it's uh, really growing in common usage, both in obviously in universities, but in urban centers and in corporate America. 
But do you, do you have any sort of a, an opinion on that? Sure. My opinion in regarding the pronouns is I'm against it. That is compelled speech, especially because most of the people who are using it are just young ladies uh, who claim they have their male or female identities. And usually all it is is they're changing their hair or very subtle changes. And your average person's not going to really know unless they're deep into this rabbit hole and know all the small signs. So overall, I'm I'm against it mostly because it is compelled speech. I can see the argument from both ends, but compelled speech, that's not what our country's about. And But I don't think we should just be disrespectful or cruel or hurtful by misgendering somebody just to be a smart ass either. You know, I think that's just rude. But uh, so, yeah, so I was just curious to, to see what your perspective was along that line, because that that is something that's becoming more and more practical for everybody in our society, you know, that we're more and more we're meeting people or becoming aware of that spreading throughout our country. When you look at the sociological phenomenon of this, it, and, and it seems to have really taken off in America amongst the educated elite, uh, mostly in urban centers and in the university system and more and more into corporate America. However, this uh, sociological phenomenon uh, has not really taken off in Latin, amongst the uh, Hispanic or Latin cultures within America, nor in Latin America itself or Mexico. I find that intriguing. And, and you, obviously being of Mexican descent, I'm just curious to know like what your perspective is. Why is it that it hasn't really taken off like wildfire in the Spanish speaking world? Um, from what I've seen, um, so the Hispanic, um, or at least from what I've seen, the Mexican culture is very traditional, very politically speaking, or at least if we're looking from a political standpoint. They're very conservative with how they do everything. And that's from a social standpoint. And then obviously, we are also very religious people. So that's not, I guess, overall, from a religious standpoint, obviously, I know a lot of, especially the older folks, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents aren't for this and don't support it. Probably some of the younger crowd, especially here in the States, would definitely be supportive of this. But overall, uh, due to the how the nature of the Mexican uh, community is, with family and religion, it's not really easy to get into this. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I mean, I, I had a thought too, because I, I find like a lot of this is associated with uh, really like casting off parents and parental involvement and school keeps us up secret from the parents. And then oftentimes the kids begin to not like their parents anymore or think they're old fogies or they're just not with it. I mean, it seems like this ideology goes as well of like the love bombing, but also like cutting off of relationships or anybody who would have a, a different opinion or thought, whether that's parents or whether it's friends that might have a different worldview that it's almost like a, would you, I've had other guests that describe this as like cult like behavior of absolute control over the relationships of people or influence to, to cut out anybody who doesn't absolutely affirm what's in uh, the person's mind. Would you have any comments on that? Yeah. So these, uh, these groups, yes. Um, you could consider it a cult. Um, I actually call it nowadays a new religion just because of how it is. Um, they replace um, God with themselves. They replace the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. with their gendered souls. Obviously, anyone who goes against uh, what they say is a heretic, especially if they were in the uh, the cult, the new religion themselves, like myself, Kat Cadison, Chloe Cole, just to name a few. Uh, we're all heretics. We're all the devil incarnate for these people. And obviously, they, uh, these people uh, go after non-believers. They go after anyone who 
disagrees with their doctrine. Yeah, yeah, I think it really comes down to the issue of identity. Like, how do we see ourselves? Who are we in this world? And if our identity is strictly in our gender, and that's who I am, well, that's basically one of the things that distinguishes man from animals is our ability to worship and meditate about higher and more lofty things. And I've heard it said that everybody in the world will has no choice whether they will worship. They have a choice who or what they will worship. A biblical account by that most of the world believes that God is a creator and he created male and female both in his image. And most of the religions of the world believe in the story of Noah and the animals. And it was male and female that were brought in the ark and the propagation of the species. And we're all here on the planet as a result of the union of the the zygote of the sperm and the egg. And if there is no God, then we become God. We have to have a higher power. And it seems like it's this whole issue is identity of trying to get to a utopia without a God, without any higher accountability. And so if my identity is just in my uh, sexuality or my gender or my race or whatever it has to do with me, we find ourselves in within, we find ourselves in contradictions as opposed to, I am a child of God. I was created with a purpose. I am whoever I am. There's a purpose for my life and there is a God who made me and I interact with this world as a gift uh, that, that God has given me. And I have a, a certain level of, well, I have a, a moral accountability for my conduct to be a good person, to be kind, to be loving, to be mindful of others. And, and it seems like this ideology just absolutely does away with any remnant of God at all whatsoever or any accountability that we have as human beings to the creator himself or herself because God is neither male nor female. He's a spirit. That's just what I think. I think we're askew because of that. And uh, I don't know if you would agree with that. Uh, it seems like you have a level of faith and that's why you're a heretic because you believe that there is a higher power. But would you agree with that assessment or would you like to maybe bring nuance to that? No, I would I would agree with your statement. Okay, so so you, uh, you found freedom. It sounds like you're still struggling a little bit with just some personal things and I'm, I'm proud of you. I know it's taken a lot of courage and I, I know you don't know me, but it takes a lot of courage to face what you face and you've been a very tough process personally and then, you know, of friends hurting you and people saying horrible things about you that just aren't true. And, uh, you know, I just don't listen to those voices and be strong in who you are because you are doing a great work. You are helping people and uh, you're, you're bringing clarity. You're bringing uh, the message of that there are consequences. And I don't want you to grow tired in what you're doing because you have an authoritative voice. And even though you've gone through a lot of problems, just like anything in life that we go through problems and situations, those are made to make us stronger, make us better and more useful and to help other people. And so I commend you for what you're doing. I want to thank you for coming on the show. I think you're an amazing young man and uh, you to go forward and be all that God has made you to be and and have an amazing life. I, I heard in one of your talks that you aspire to be a father one day. And are you still thinking about that? Would you like to uh, have a child and be a dad? I definitely want to have children, but the only question is if I can, just due to the hormones and 
how everything has gone. I know after a certain point with hormones, I just sterilize you. Well, that's a consequence of a long-term on, on steroids, steroids. Is that an inability to produce sperm properly? Is that or? Yeah. So after a certain point, I don't know what that point is, but after a certain point um, on estrogen and everything, I even if I'm able to produce sperm in I, it's either I would be able to still produce sperm and it's useless or I don't produce any at all. And that's just from estrogen. I know the same effect happens to young ladies. After uh, a certain point, testosterone just destroys their reproductive organs. Yeah, there's such consequences. Anyway, my friend, I, I just thank you for your courage. I thank you so much for being vulnerable. And I thank you for uh, sharing your heart and sharing your life on, on the show. And uh, I'd just like to give you the final comment. If there's anything you'd like to say that you haven't uh, been able to share out of your heart uh up till now um i just say i'd like to say thank you to everyone who's watched today's episode and if you wish to continue to support me i i'm glad to have everyone support right now especially with how this fight is going yes please do continue to support him and continue to support our other guests uh we're not looking for financial support we're not asking for anyone for this particular show uh we were given a, a scholarship to start and to launch and so we're we're happy but we i do ask our audience to, to please support those that are on the front lines or the ones that are having a, a, a tremendous impact and so thank you and abel thank you so much for for taking your time today thank you very much for having me okay you take care